make a special point to notice some folks just today, tomorrow, this week. Do it more than you did last week and then reach out to those people that you notice and just tell them, tell them how much what you appreciate about them and just see what difference that makes. Welcome to Starve the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Joining us today, we have some amazing special co-hosts. First up, we have no stranger to the show. Welcome back, Renee Grosskreutz from iteachblogging.com. Hey, Renee. Hey. And of course, joining us from Houston, Texas, from Volano Media LLC, we have Cheval John. Hey, Cheval. Hello, Jared. Hello, everyone. Thanks for I appreciate. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. We are thrilled to have you. And this is your first time, right, Cheval? Yes, it is. Now, Renee, the last time she was on, she was a featured guest, so we are honored to have her back. And then, of course, Cheval, we're, we're thrilled that you're with us for the first time. And then, if that wasn't good enough, which it should be, but if it wasn't, <laughs> we are very blessed today to have our featured guest, and that's Dr. Harold Arnold. He's kind of joked and said, you don't have to call me doctor, but we're going to do it every time. <laughs> uh, Dr. Harold Arnold is a psychologist and relationship expert sharing insights to encourage your success in relationships at home, work, and community. He's the author of the new book, Second Shift, Growing Your Part-Time Passion to Full-Time Influence. He's been featured on Focus on the Family as well as Urban Faith. You can learn more about Dr. Arnold by checking out his website over at heraldarnold.com. Dr. Harold, welcome to the show. Wow, what a gracious introduction, Jared. Thank you so much, my friend. It's a pleasure, pleasure, pleasure to be on here. Well, the grace ends there. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're just keeping it real. We, we've got Renee and Cheval and now Dr. Harold. So we're going to have a fun time today. And I, I figure why mess around? Let's just go ahead and jump in. So Dr. Harold, it's, it's possible that there's going to be some people that just aren't familiar with what you're up to. <laughs> yeah. Like so if <laughs> <laughs> like our co-host, no, I, I, I know that's not, I know for a fact that's not true, but that's it. Would you be willing to tell us a little bit about yourself and your faith and kind of how you arrived to where you are now? Wow, that's a circuitous journey. But yeah, sure. so my background is a lot of relationship education stuff. And I originally started off in the IT field, but I made a transition over to the behavioral sciences academically as a marriage and family therapist in training and then as a psychologist. Uh, but it's really engendered this desire in me to impact relationships in a substantial way. So that's really been the nature of my contribution, really learning how to do that better and then learning how to teach people to do that better and doing that in multiple ways, multiple forum to do it, whether it's blogging, whether it's podcasting, whether it's you know writing books, whether it's doing seminars, all of that stuff is really about how do I help people really unearth that, you know, those relationship, the potential that they have for great relationships and doing that with the spirit of authenticity. Oh, that's well said. I have always found you to be very authentic, Dr. Harold. So. Well, that's a high compliment coming from you, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and hey, I mean Dr. that seriously. Oh, well, I appreciate that. I, I receive it. Thank you. Hey, Dr. Harold, your new book is Second Shift, How to Grow Your Part-Time Passion to Full-Time Influence. What a great title, by the way. What compelled you to write this book? Well, Renee, yeah, thanks. Um, great question. I think it, it's because that's been my life. And I think even more so, it's the lives, life of so many people that I've come in contact with. And I know my own experience of 
working, you know, during the days and long and oftentimes very challenging uh, jobs and responsibilities and then feeling like, well, how am I supposed to do what I feel, feel God has me here to do? And for years, for me personally, it was those evenings after work. And I know, you know, you guys can relate to this, too, in, in some ways. But those evenings after work, those weekends, those vacation hours from my day job where I'm working on my passion portfolio. So in, if that was just my experience, it wouldn't be worth writing a book for, I don't think. But because I've talked to so many people and heard a similar story and oftentimes the exasperation that goes with feeling like, why can't I do what I love doing full time? Well, some people make that transition, but other people, many of us, haven't been able to make that transition for one reason or another. It might have to do with family dynamics. It might have to do with economic realities. It could have a a myriad of reasons behind it. But at the end of the day, we have to continue doing our first shift. And I wanted to come up with something, a language, a narrative, a model and framework for those of us who do this thing uh, to bring our passions to life in the marginal areas of our lives to give a rallying cry for us. And, you know, we yes, we've had those days when we've kind of cried in the shower. Why? 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 You know, we've had those times when we've lamented where we've heard first shifters who do their thing or their passion on their first shift. Why can't that be me? You know, we had those days, but second shift is really a validation that we can do and accomplish everything that God has us here to do, even if we are have to do it for a season on the second shift. Does that uh, make how- sense, Renee? Yeah, it really does. I think that this is something that everybody can relate to, to be honest with you. I love the term second shift. I don't think we tend to think of it like that. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like there's a lot there that we could all learn. Yeah. And part of that, I honestly felt, Renee, that giving it a language and thinking of it like a shift helps to give a sense of legitimacy to it. And it also helps us think about it in a more disciplined fashion, because a lot of times what happens in the past for those of us with these passions and we have the we look for an hour here or hour there and there's no systematic way we think about it. And so it takes us forever to get things done, the book we wanted to write, this you know thing we wanted to create, it takes us forever because we don't approach it disciplined in a disciplined manner. It becomes more haphazard. And that in and of itself, it breeds more frustration and consternation. But by thinking of it as a shift, as a shift for me, it has that same sense of discipline to it. After I finish my day job, I head to my office to start the second shift. And that formality of it helps me push things along. How did you come up with the shift concept? Well, you know, I personally have never worked a shift job, done shift work, uh, literally. But, you know, this whole notion of, I think I was talking to someone one time and about my, I call it the passion portfolio, but talking about those things that all the things that I do in the, these after work hours and my weekends and my vacation hours and you know, all of these things. And I literally, it just came out of my mouth. I said, oh, it's, it's my second shift. And I didn't, and by saying it that way, I really started to conceptualize it differently. 
But then I think the power that I saw in it was when I started using that narrative to other people. And it's like Renee said, it has an intuitive, valid face validity, what we call in in, uh, research methodology. And so people kind of automatically get it. You know, yeah, it's not less valid than what I do on my first shift. It's just a transition. It's a pivot. And so... Yeah, that's why for me, that's what's given it so much power. All right. And that really, this really is, you know, it's very timely for everyone, you know, because I know that being surrounded by a lot of people here in uh, downtown Houston, I know that probably most of them are, you know, probably wondering why trying to do what they love for the better. So, with that being said, how can we? identify our purpose and gifts. Yeah, and and that's important, Shabal, right? Because we all have them, right? And it's important for, and you know, some of us, we oftentimes put other people on a pedestal. Look at what they do. Everybody can't be Jared easily, you know? It (laughs) it just can't happen, right? That's Um, right. (laughs) Amen to that. That's true. (laughs) But we all try. We we all try. It's, It's our aspiration, right? It's important for all all to realize that God has invested something in us and we aren't we aren't here to be Jared Easley and that it's a matter of us tapping into what is it you know I call it God print if you think of kind of a thumbprint in the book I talk about it as kind of your gifts and the oppositions that come against you as well as kind of the direction and the path the experiences that you've had you know how those make you unique and bring you and intersect your life with a set of people that you are to impact and you are to influence. So it's so critical that we all understand that we have this unbelievable, marvelous set of abilities, gifts, talents, interests that is important for the world to hear. And sometimes that world might be you know, local, it might be regional, it might be national, it might be international. And, but what we have to stop doing, and, you know, I'm speaking to myself here too, we have to not compare ourselves to everyone else. We have to just focus on what is God stirring up in me and what is that passion that's in me? And I like to think of that word passion, P-A-S-S, pass I on. You know, and that I feel like that is all of our call to pass I on, pass what is that core, authentic herald. How do I pass that on to the other people with whom God brings me in contact? And if I do that in an authentic way, I have the impact that God has me here to have. That's a really cool perspective on that. So this is a two part question, I think, that flows with that. First of all, what's your advice on overcoming mental hurdles? And then if you'd be willing to share an example, a personal example of a time when you've had to do that. Oh, boy. I'm almost like I'm trying to think of when I haven't had to do that. (laughs) Fair (laughs) enough. But I think it's critical. And it's a, a lot of it is about attitude. I mean, obviously, this podcast is Starve the Doubts, and that's why I love it. I talk about the dragons and the head of the dragon is doubt. And the it's so critical because if we can't get our mindset around a sense of optimism and positivity and what you know, can do, what Dr. Carol Dweck calls in her book Mindset, you know, that growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset, in order to have that influence, 
that we are here to have in order to pass I on to the extent that we are capable of, we have to have a growth mindset. And part of that growth mindset is being able to slay those dragons. And that's doubt, regret, apathy, guilt, obstinance, narcissism, and scarcity. And it's not like they just go away. You know, they seek to just uh, all this struggles, all the challenges, all the stumbles, they magnify the things that we've messed up on and they minimize the things that we've done well. And and in the process, they, you know, they seek to diminish, you know, the power that God has in us. And we have to fight back on that. We have to exude what I call a kingdom mindset that allows us to remember to keep in the forefront of our mind what the unique talent and gifts that we are and keep reassuring ourselves. And as far as me personally, I go through it all the time. I, I, I it, you know, it obviously is based on different personality types. I happen to be that kind of achiever personality type that's always trying to get to the next thing, always struggling to enjoy the process and much more destination oriented. So for me, there's always, you know, focusing on what I haven't done rather than what I have done. And that is such a, I think that's such a travesty because we can miss so many of the blessings along the way, so many of the relationships that are important to cultivate. We can miss all of that because we get so focused and so many leaders even today, we focus on the wrong things and we miss kind of that process along the way. And so personally, that's a continuous challenge that I have to put in front of myself to appreciate, be grateful, notice the things that are in my right now. I really think that's fantastic. It made me think of something and I have a question for you, but I just wanted to make a comment on that. I think that it's important to look backwards to remember what you've accomplished. Mm -hmm. And that just really inspired me. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. Because this is something I deal with myself, you know. But I want to, going along with that, what is uncommon service? How can uncommon service be used to build and empower your network around you? Oh, I mean, you know, you hear that term serve a lot. You know, when people talk about, you know, adding value, those of us who are in this space, who do platform building, you know, you hear the word value thrown around all the time. And, you know, to some extent, I feel like it's being mis- it's not being well represented what real value is. And we also hear the word service thrown around a lot and, you know, serving your audience, serving mm-hmm. your tribe. And for so many of us, you know, I feel like we really need to check ourselves about what are, you know, are we really serving? Are we really having a servant attitude, a servant mindset? You know, it's not that we have an agenda that we're trying to get across. But service to me says you are a priority and what you have to what you have to say, what you're going through, your pain points, they matter to me. Your pain points are because I care about you. They're my pain points. And to me, that applies whether you're talking in an intimate relationship like a marriage or whether you're talking in a business relationship. And or platform building with your tribe. It all is a, about really trying to be in the shoe, put yourself in the shoes of your the per, that other, and then then treating that with you know a sense of empathy and care and commu- you know and 
I use I like to use the word noticer. And, you know, I'm going to stroke uh, Jared a little bit here because I've made this comment to him before. And I want him to I really want him to hear this. One of the things that I think is excellent about what he does and why I love his program and why I, and him is he's an excellent noticer. And I think many of us need to we need to affirm and be grateful and you know, the, for, and, and thank those people that are noticers that they really it's not always just about pushing something on you, but it's really about affirming. And so when I think about uncommon service, I want to say those people who understand relationships and have and bring at that eye of noticing people and noticing the pain points that people have, noticing the struggles that people have and speaking life into those things. I use a three kind of pronged approach in the book and the workshops and things that I do. You know, I call it listen, love and leave. And it's a part of that noticing is about listening well, you know, and part of it is about loving. And even in business context, uh, Tim Sanders talks about it in his book, Love is the Killer App, you know, but uh, the importance of love, even in that business uh, milieu. And then leadership. What is how does true leadership, how does it have a redemptive quality to it? So when I think about uncommon service, I think about listening enthusiastically. I think about loving wholeheartedly, as Dr. Brene Brown would say, and I think about leading redemptively. And that's really interesting that you brought that up because I think at the same time, you know, we, it's like many of us might, you know, be focused on, you know, like the A-listers who are doing great stuff, but we miss a boat on on what's the most important thing, which is uh, driving like content, which really, you know, uplifts people uh, to be better people. Which leads to this question. Why do you feel that growing your influence is important? Well, because that's why you're here on Earth. Whether it's, you know, a mom and her children, what are we trying to do with our children? If a good parent is trying to influence that child, right, to make good choices, to be an excellent contributor and value to society, what is a, you know, the CEO of a company is trying to do? He's influencing, you know, a group of people towards a vision. And, you know, what are we as platform builders do? You know, we are desiring to influence people, whether it's to purchase our products and services or whether it's to espouse or adopt a way, another way of thinking about something. It's all about influence. And if you look at that word influence, it comes from the word influentum in the Latin originally. And that is getting, it's really getting at this word. The etymology of that word is to flow into. And that to me is so powerful. We think about influence as to flow into. Well, that means what is in you that is going to flow into the other, right? So what is it that is in you? And it ties into that pass I on, that passion that we talked about before, have developed within you that which is credible, that which is good, that which is beautiful, so that as you influence, as you flow into others, that you pass on that richness, you know, that you enrich, empower those people around you in that way. Dr. Harrell, going back to something you mentioned just a moment ago, you talked about listen, loving, and leading. And, and uh, I've seen examples, and unfortunately, I've been an example of of attempting to be the lead, the leader role, but but not necessarily listening and loving. And I, I think it's important that the three are in sync. 
And so I've been guilty of that. I'm sure. Uh, some other yes. Like, oh, no, I, I can't relate to that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but for someone who is feeling compelled to grow their influence in their family and community, what what encouragement would you have for them? Yeah, well, I will say to really do some soul searching. And we when you think about listening, remember, that's a multi-level process. Part of it is listening to our, to God. What is God saying to you and speaking to you? What is that still, small voice sometimes saying? And sometimes we have to slow down and enough, be still enough, so we actually can hear that. So part of influencing others is really learning to just be still and understand what is God speaking to us individually. But it's also about listening to you know, those, as we talked about, those around you and learning from them and then in developing and crafting your voice in a way. And I think it ties into, you know, this wonderful book that you may have heard of called Stop Chasing Influencers. Uh-huh. Uh, and, you know, it's not about copycat syndrome, you know, as, the, as some have called it, but it's about what is your true voice? And I talk uh, much in the book about, you know, kind of crafting your authentic voice. And so I feel like a lot, what I encourage people to do is really get still and have, get a sense of comfort and confidence in the authenticity of your own voice. And then using that to really touch people at their pain points. And that means we have to listen for what their pain points are more rather than superimposing what we, our own assumptions or our own agenda. And again, that that applies with all types of relationships and really not being afraid to validate and love and demonstrate a loving attitude towards folks. And then I believe that those aspects of leadership that we desire, that I think those things are going to be well, more, better, well received by those that you desire to influence. You know, one of the things that I hear about and think about when it comes to this and it's coming to mind is when you hear that call, when you have that still moment and you understand and you think you know what God has called you to do, that's when the excuses start coming to mind regarding time and resources. I don't have time for this. I don't have the right resources. Who am I? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I hear the dragon and <laughs> you know, it's the doubt that gets you first. Because you start to question, well, maybe that really wasn't God, or maybe it was just, you know, I ate too much. It was gas. Um, <laughs> right. But, right. but uh, <laughs> I think that we have to, of course, can confirm that, you know, when we have that sense, what are other people around us? What are they affirming in us? Do you see confirmation of what you have sensed? And, you know, I'll tell you my own one amazing thing that happened to me. My wife and I, a number of years ago, back in 1997, you know, we were having some discussions, you know, about do we relocate from the East Coast and move out to California? And the, it just seemed such upheaval. And we had our careers and we had all this stuff. And we had at the time we just had we had a six year old and then we just had a baby. And so I'm, we're like, can we really do this? But it felt in our spirit like God was calling us or telling us, compelling us to move. And, but we just didn't, we weren't sure. And such a big move, we wanted to have confirmation before that. And literally one evening I was in church and the most surreal, unbelievable thing happened. I was an officer in the church. And so I was on the front row. This is a large church, a lot of people. And we had a guest speaker 
who came in and she was speaking and she literally, Renee, she walked out of, and remember, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people here. Now, I was on the front row, but she walks out <laughs> of the pulpit and down in front of me, puts her mic down, and she says, Harold, uh, she didn't say Harold, she just said, I don't know what this means, but God just told me to come and tell you to go, that you wow. are trying to make a decision, and <laughs> he says to go. Do you understand? And wow. I, if you can imagine, it gave me chills. It gave me chills. And I think my knees buckled. And then she turned (laughs) around and walked right back up into the pulpit and continued on doing what she was doing like nothing ever. Oh, wow. And I was flabbergasted, like, oh, my God. And I came home and told my wife (laughs) and my wife, it was a done deal at that point. Well, okay, God just gave us a message that supernaturally and we're going. So we have to what do we have to do to make that happen? Now, we don't always get those kind of, you know, signals to give us that confidence. But we do, I believe, get confirmation from those around us. I believe we have to be prayerful. You know, it's not prayerful with our agenda. It's prayerful for God's agenda. And where will he, we're asking him to give us, you know, a sign, give us a sense, give us a comfort, a confidence that he's in this. And us having a willingness to a commitment to do what it is that he instructs us to do. And he knows the desires of our heart. So, you know, he knows, are we committed to do what he desires us to do? And if we are, I believe that he gives us that confirmation that we need. Now, all of that being said, what do you want leaders to take away from this book? Yeah, I want leaders to understand, to get a vision of themselves as leaders. You know, I want more people to see themselves as leaders. I want us to not just think about, oh, that person is special. They're a leader. I want us to see that all of us who are people of influence are leaders. And because by definition, influencing is to lead. And so I want to, in a sense, popularize the idea that we are leaders. And then I want to give tools to empower that. How do you do that? And challenge the mindset, the attitude, so we can move forward and then give the tools to empower that moving. Much of what we've been talking about around listening and and loving and leading are all components of this book to be something of a how-to guide for us as influencers. And, you know, a lot of it is that traditional kind of platform building stuff that you'll hear in a lot of places. But I've really couched much of it in the context of a faith-based orientation to challenge all of us who are leaders to tap into what is it that God is stirring up in you and what is he calling you to pass on? And if he is calling you to pass that on, it is a matter of obedience to do it. It isn't Harold's option Mm. of whether he wants to do it. It is a call. It is a push. And then the question I have to then ask myself, am I going to be obedient or am I going to be disobedient? And if I say I'm going to be obedient and then I have to have the discipline to work that, whether or not that's my first shift. Maybe I haven't been released to you know leave my job, my day job and do this 
full time yet. But that's not an excuse. Maybe I don't have all the resources that other people have to advertise and to promote, but that's not an excuse. You know, and maybe I don't have all the network and all the connections, but that's not an excuse. That's not what God is calling us to. He's calling us to a spirit of obedience. And so if we walk in that, the message of second shift is you will have the impact that God has you here to have. And there's nothing sweeter than that in the end. Dr. Harold, I have a confession. I I have struggled. I have a a day job. It's a consulting role. And a part of me struggled with that because instead of seeing it as a a blessing and an act of God's provision for our family, I've looked at it as, well, this isn't the Hollywood super sexy role that, you know, that I want to portray myself on Facebook or something. This is, you know, just a job. And and I battled with that a little bit and whether or not I should be doing it. And and I feel like in uh, you know prayer and seeking wise counsel that I've been encouraged that this opportunity is one that I need to use to continue to you know make money, to continue to provide for my family and continue to, to be wise with it in terms of paying off debt, building up an emergency fund. But to keep it to your point, keep up with the second shift of building things on the side because eventually I'm going to be in a new season and I'm going to need to be prepared when I'm in that new season. And so for people that are listening to this, this is a place to me, you know, <laughs> right now Same here. where I'm at. And uh, so I, I hope that people will definitely consider what all we've talked about today and hopefully get a copy of your book. As we start to wrap up, I wanted to know uh, if there's anyone out there, uh, because you talked about noticing, uh, who have you noticed uh, that's doing something that interests that, that other people could uh, consider checking out? Oh, in my effort, I am continually striving to be a better noticer. And actually, I could name so many people, but a couple of people that just come to mind right now, actually, they're people that you know, too. You know, one is Denise, Denise LaRosa and yep. Mom yes. Talk podcast. A shout out to Denise. If she hears this, I want her to know that she is being noticed. And the things that she's doing to empower moms is making a big difference, whether or not numbers validate that. You know, it's about being obedient and God will honor that. I also want to give a shout out to our friend John Schumacher and, you know, the things that he's doing here. And the reason that I notice him is because I sense in him a priority of relationships and encouraging people. and. I want to, and I've told him this before, and so I'm glad to be able to have this platform to say it too. I think that more of us need to notice people who do those things, those little things and those touch points that's not about an agenda, that's not about a product, that's not about a sale. I believe that all of us should notice those things more. Why? Because the things that we reward are the things that get repeated. And and we make a that's how we do a movement of, you know, noticing the things that matter most. Wow, this has been so powerful. And, you know, I just want to say while I've been listening to this, I'm getting so much out of it today because even entrepreneurs who are maybe already full time entrepreneurship are trying to grow something more, trying to do something more, trying to do something different, you know. And so they have to do that in their second shift, which is exactly what I'm doing right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I have all of my entrepreneurial things that I have to do all day. And then I have my what I'm trying to do more, which I do as my second shift. I've just never thought about it like that. So, gosh, thank you so much for this inspiration. 
So what is the best place for listeners to pick up a copy of your book, Second Shift? Yeah, well, it's available on Amazon. It will be available. It's launch date, March 1st. It'll be available on Amazon.com there. You can also go to secondshiftbook.com. You can read more about the book and some of the gracious testimonials that folks have given about that. Of course, you can see me extemporizing about it at haroldarnold.com and on my Leading You Home podcast on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. You certainly hear me talking about aspects of that there. So definitely, I'm, I try to be in a lot of different places, uh, given that message and encouraging, uh, inspiring, hopefully, a few people. So yeah, thank you for just the opportunity to talk about the message that I feel God has put a, kind of put in my hand. And thank you for helping me be the best steward of that message as I can in the spirit of obedience. So I, pre- I really appreciate that. Well, Harold, I want, to, I want to say thanks a lot for being here. I truly needed to hear this myself. And uh, do you have any like uh, final thoughts uh, for the listeners? Absolutely. Notice, make a special point to notice some folks just today, tomorrow, this week. Do it more than you did last week and then reach out to those people that you notice and just tell them, tell them how much what you appreciate about them and just see what difference that makes. And I suspect that it's going to make all the difference to somebody. And ultimately, what goes around comes around. That's <laughs> I think that's the message, right? You reap what you sow. Hey, I I noticed that Renee and Cheval John did a great job today. I noticed that too, Dad. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks a lot for the compliment. Uh, Dr. Harold, we are grateful for your time and excited about your book. And I hope that everyone will uh, absolutely make their way over to secondshiftbook.com and and go ahead and uh, make plans to pick that up on March 1st. So best wishes to you, Dr. Harold. Thank you again. Hey, Jared, can I also say, because I love you and this show, Set the Star of the Doubts audience. I'm setting up a landing page for you guys, okay. for us who are in this Star of the Doubts audience a landing page where you can get a copy of a companion workbook that I'm produced for the book. It'll be yours uh, for free. Go and check it out. Hope it is meaningful for you. God bless. Where can they find that, Dr. Harold? They can go to uh, haroldarnold.com forward slash okay. Star of the Doubts. HaroldArnold.com slash Starve the Doubts. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody check that out. And again, thank you, sir. Thank you. When you think about listening, remember that's a multi-level process. Part of it is listening out to God. What is God saying to you and speaking to you? What is that still small voice sometimes saying? And sometimes we have to slow down and be still enough so we actually can hear that. So part of influencing others is really learning to just be still and understand what is God speaking to us individually. 